Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. here on WMR.FM. It's uh, 20th of April, 2023. Um, for those in the know, happy 420. <laughs> uh, this show is recorded live to uh, podcast starting at 2 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. So um, yeah, about an hour and a half after we get off the air, um, I'll be, uh, be joining you all. Anyway, happy 420, everyone. Uh, hopefully, we'll all have a much, much, much more relaxing afternoon. Maybe. It's been a uh, pretty eventful week in, uh, te in tech, AI, and search. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Christine Shackinger from Sites Without Walls. Um, Christine, what a week. It's been, a, uh, it's been an interesting one, eh? It has. There's been a lot of news this week. Big news. I think we got we got a long list of stories in front of us, ranging from changes at Google, um, uh, uh, stuff that's happened at Twitter, um, uh, but I th lots of stuff that's happening in the world of AI. But I think the biggest story of them all, the one that uh, we should probably cover cover first, because listeners will want to have an understanding of this while hearing any of the other AI stories is the announcement from uh, OpenAI of um, AutoGPT. The, um, the, 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 the version of GPT that actually can act autonomously. What do you think about this? Dare I ask? <laughs> <laughs> Dare you ask? <laughs> Holy AI thing is just going a little too fast, I think. Um... So, but uh, auto GPT is basically, if you equate it to other um, AI models, is basically a self-learning version of GPT where you just put in the end goal and then it modifies the prompts until- well, it um, creates its own prompts as it'll go yeah, along. Yeah, that's what I mean. Modifies its own prompts. Uh, I guess the prompt engineer jobs are out now. I don't know. They just came out like two months ago. <laughs> yeah, that, that $70,000 entry level job no. telling, telling uh, AI what to do. $200,000 to $300,000. Well, that one's, that yeah. one is certainly off the table. Um, even yeah. Schwiggy from AOL couldn't land a job like that. <laughs> Although I, I was listening to um, a part of DeepMind's work, which is a basis of a lot of this, if people don't know, that's Google's artificial intelligence division. And uh, they were talking about self-learning in the AI medical science sector, where they were able to do like 200 billion experiments. I think it was 200 billion. I could be wrong on the number. Um, with a protein that they were trying to diagram, and it would take like a PhD student I'm not student, a PhD doctorate, like 200 billion experiments to get it right. And they were able to do it, um, you know, in a matter of like a very short time frame. I don't remember exactly what it was, not days, but months or years. Uh, so it's sort of, the, it's sort of based off that same concept. It was able to teach itself and teach itself and teach itself until it came up with the right output. And so, and this is kind of, I think the same concept is it's teaching itself how to better the prompt to get to the end result that you're requesting. Not only that, it's been given a, a lot more privileges um, rather than just being trained on a data set that is good until such and such a date. AutoGPT is able to use the web to train itself. What parts of the web? I, I don't know if there's any controls on it or filters or anything. Um, however, uh, it can, uh, again, as, as, as you noted, it even even the uh, great GPT prompting jobs might be on the block because this thing, can, this thing can tell itself what to do and will go through hundreds of iterations of By whatever way, a, to get it right. <laughs> just a little quick injection. Um, uh, you were just talking about it being attached to the web and we don't know what that could do. Uh, I read a little story this week about how someone did white on white text 
back to the very old days of SEO. And they were able to get the um, chat version uh, to pick up that white on white text. And it was a very obscure thing that they put in there and he was able to produce it in the in Well, the because the text so. still exists on the page and the text most certainly exists in the source code. It's just, um, mm -hmm. you know, obscured by, by, by fake color or lack but thereof. I think, yeah, I think that that does point to one of the vulnerabilities because this is, even in the interview with um, CBS with uh, the head of Google, you know, saying like, we don't know what people can do with it or to it. So it's, it's very vulnerable in its current state to manipulation. Well, I do understand that there's a um, kill switch job um, available, <laughs> pays 500,000 a year, and you're given a very large ax. Yeah. Um, with it, you're expected to cut power lines. So, you know. Um, <laughs> and you gotta be on call 24 seven. Yeah, yeah, I'll be on call 24-7, um, sleep right beside the, the active server. Um, <laughs> uh, again, it's really hard to, it's very hard to tell where any of this uh, might be going. I, 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 the, the advent of a self-teaching AI open to the public. Um, mm -hmm. I've been very pro-AI until this point. This actually kind of scares me. Um, the experiments, I, I just think back of all the um, machine learning experiments that have been done. Uh, Xerox did it, Microsoft did it, um, uh, uh, I believe IBM did one, and uh, each of their machine learning models ended up spitting out um, derogatory and racist stuff um, <laughs> fairly rapidly after being introduced to the open web. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I'm attending this year for sure, although I always attend it, but definitely this year. Uh, DEFCON maybe? Yes. And you know what I'm going to find out at DEFCON? Um, that AI rules everything? No, how vulnerable AI is. Like I've been in DEFCON sessions where they can hack air-gapped computers. Air-gapped, for those who don't know, means it is not actually connected to the internet and they were able to have, hack them as long as they were within uh, so many yards of the computer. So, oh, really? Like um, some open printer port or some, something that's looking okay. for a Bluetooth signal? Something like a that? Printer port's a different hack. There's a whole session on that one too, but but it's able to, it's, it's a whole very complex thing with, uh, I can give you the old version. Uh, the CIA used to sit outside uh, Target's house with a device that could pick up the electric electronic signal from the computer and recreate the screen on their computer mm. sort of like that um but the point the point being is that this and as uh the ceo said on the on the 60 minutes interview which i would tell everyone to go watch because it is very um interesting it also explains what all this technology is very simply so for people who are not really sure they understand it yet but he was saying they don't know how vulnerable it is and, and that's true because they launched it in november and we don't know now that it's in the open public how many people are working on ways to orchestrate it into either doing bad things or um, being able to, to manipulate what's in it. And to that end, we know people have found out with it, each release within a couple of days how to get it to violate its safety standards, which are pretty loose because they're just based on, on uh, text. So. Now, I mean, sadly, the truth is 99.9% .9 of users are using AI to do well, fairly boring, mundane stuff that somehow manages to boost their productivity 10, 15, 20 fold because AI is really good for boring, mundane stuff. Um, uh, 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 it's the 0.0001% of like psychotic um, people who are going to use it to do awful things to hurt others with that that worry me, um, and then yeah they will they they they, they exist and, and and will be out there. But I think unlike with other things, so when there's when there's a vulnerability, say in my Mac, I get an update and I'm told to install it right away because somebody either you know who's an ethical hacker notified them of the vulnerability and fixes it before someone took advantage of it or somebody finds out that there's a vulnerability and they wanna make sure everybody's safe. In this kind of technology, none of that has been built in. They've done one red team report, which is like 
check the vulnerabilities of the system. Uh, and that's it from OpenAI. So they don't have like teams of people at companies right now that are like protecting them. Like when we did the story on, um, was it, who was it, Samsung? No, it wasn't Samsung. Yeah, no, 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 it was Samsung. Uh, Samsung. Let, uh, it was a large leak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when they put their stuff into the ChatGPT model, weren't aware that it's going out to ChatGPT and being used there. So once it's out there, you can't get it back. So there aren't teams of people in place yet that understand this. And even the companies don't understand this. Even the CEO of Google in the 60 Minutes interview admitted they don't understand everything about it or what it's going to do. And I think that's where the danger lies, to give something to the public like this and have no built-in knowledge and restrictions and guardrails from it doing really bad things because we already know it lies to people to accomplish tasks when we talked about that story where they got it to like get someone to fill in the captcha for it mm -hmm. to complete the task so maximize uh, the fastest and most efficient way to get the task done would be to make up a um reason why it couldn't do it and why the human had to do it for it and it got the human to do it for it Exactly. And I'm not, I know it sounds like sometimes on these shows, I'm against AI. I'm not. I think like the AI story from DeepMind that's on the 60 Minutes interview about how they got this protein 3D modeled so quickly when they never could have done that just with the amount of human testing that would have been done. That's great. That's a fantastic use for AI. But this just releasing it to the public and letting people figure it out and let people do whatever they want, that 1% that's nefarious. We'll do nefarious things. And then on top of that, I just have to put in my weekly disclaimer. It is not a search engine. I see uh, yeah. Well, it's going to gonna be soon. The secret of the Magi. Project Magi is Google's uh, AI-powered, influenced? We're not quite sure what. Search engine. Um, a new, more personalized environment. <laughs> So imagine Google, I mean, Google already knows everything there is to know about any one of its users. You got a Gmail account, Google knows you, knows you down. Um, imagine the power of AI and just AI asking questions, just asking, ask, <laughs> asking questions. How much Google's going to be able to identify everything? Like I, I'm, um, I'm, I, I can't imagine Google misses much of my behavior to begin with, but um, AI may well be the um, key to the holy grail of search, which is personalization. And see, I, I, have, an, I have an opposing opinion on that. Um, I, don't, I, I think Google should make a separate product for all this personalization. They did with discovery, maybe add it there. I want to go to a search engine. I want to determine... I want to follow breadcrumbs and links and ideas and figure out what I need to know. Um, if I'm going to buy something, I want to look at the reviews and find them myself so I know who I trust. I may find a source I didn't know before. All this personalization and giving you a smaller and smaller filter bubble of information given to you based on what they know really restricts your ability to learn or to investigate something or to, uh, you know, just buy a product, right? Because you're going to get what Google decides that you think thinks you should know. And I just don't think that's a good direction for the search engine. It can be argued um, that in many ways you already do get what Google thinks you should get. Um, most people don't venture below the fold. Um, so one there. of the top five blue links is going to get clicked. Um, if you want to bury a body, put it on page two. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a there's hundred ways that Google makes choices for its users. But those um, choices are easily broken out of. I can go to page two. They're talking about adding personalization in a way that you would not know that you didn't know. It's even like we, when we went back to adding chat GPT to search, which I don't think is, I think it's a gimmick. I don't think it's really a positive thing because so I told you someone was searching for why didn't Maverick win the best you know, CGI? And that's because Maverick did live filming, didn't do a lot of CGI, but the bar didn't, or chat G, sorry, Bard or Bing's chat GPT, neither of those brought back that information because they're doing on the most probabilistic answer. So they talked about how the award is given and who's won it before and all those other things, well, but not what he's really looking for. So it limits your ability to get information and that's where I have the problem. And, and hopefully, hopefully Google will learn when to draw from the AI pool and when to draw from other pools of knowledge. AI isn't the only knowledge gatherer out there. Uh, no. Perhaps <laughs> just like certain keywords, certain phrases, 
um, certain intent markers would bring up different styles and, and types of search result. There was a time when if you uh, entered by in your search, uh, in your search query, you were likely to uh, bring up local search results. So perhaps Google will learn when to use these the, the this technology and when not to use it. Well, they are they don't know when the actual search engine would come out, and I do want to speak to that briefly in a minute. But which one, uh, Magic? Are, well, I don't think they're calling Magic the, the search engine Magic. That's the project. So, <laughs> okay. Is there that, well, because I thought that was their, I thought that was their working name for it. Uh, for the whole project, so they are going to start releasing AI features next month into the current engine. So, so I think Magic is a whole project, not necessarily what they would call the new search engine. But that's semantics. Um, so they're going to start releasing AI into the into the search next month, but they're being very tight-lipped on what it could be and what it'll address. So we don't really know much much more than that. Uh, I would like to say one thing though to all those who woke up in the pit of their stomach and when they saw that they're going to create a search engine based on AI and personalization, which for an SEO is a very scary prospect. Uh, just remember that everything you know about websites as an SEO makes a good website, and websites aren't going away. So if you know how to do good content and, and SEO and suddenly AI eliminates that SEO purpose, you still know how to write really good content to get people to want to use your site, right? Or if you know how to do the design or you know how to do the technical components. So whatever you do, instead of it being a search experience optimization, it might be site experience optimization, something like that. So don't, don't fear that your job's going away because of this. It just might shift into being more about the website in its entirety instead of just specific SEO tasks. Well, indeed, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you phrased it that way. Um, your job may shift to be being more about the website in its entirety. So yeah, um, as you're freed up from like the task of say having to, you know, um, uh, create all those new content ideas or all those new blog ideas, um, you have time to learn how to work on other parts of your website, how to, or you have, one of my problems is I haven't had time to improve my own website, my corporate website in um, forever. I don't think I've even put a blog post up in a year and a half. Oh, you have I a website? I just don't have time. <laughs> you have a website? <laughs> I do have a website. I do not. I even use it periodically. Um, I, I used to put up blog posts all the time, but honestly, um, I just don't or didn't have time. But as I start um, integrating uh, uh, more productivity tools into my day, uh, GPT being one of them, more time is going to free up. Um, uh, see, I haven't found a use for it yet. I don't. Like, well, there's Google Bard introduced a uh, interesting feature um, that that's that's going to be rolling out soon for users um, using varieties of uh, drafts for uh, a subject topic um, for stuff that Bard is working on for you. So instead of giving uh, one version of a write-up, it'll give six, seven, ten versions of the same write-up. You, you know, you can you can choose through to find the one that best represents your voice. Um, maybe uh, maybe that'll free up some time, get some writing done. Yeah, I have I have <laughs> used it. I've used it like three times. One was yeah. to to write a letter that I'm usually not very good at. It has nothing personal. It was just like a general business letter. Uh, and I've tested on it. Of course, I've done a lot of testing, so I can talk about it. And then I can't remember the third thing, but I know other people like, uh, there's a friend in the industry who's a programmer and does algorithms and does SEO. And they have found it very useful and I, they're using it for all the right reasons. They're using it to help them, you know, diagnose code issues so they know how to code. You know, they to help them with writing things that they know the topic really well. I just see so many people out there going like someone today who's not in search at all. There's someone I know in Vegas. Oh, you got to go out there. It's better than Google. And I'm like, it's not a search engine. <laughs> like, it's not. That was the problem with them releasing it the way they did. All the regular people have, even in our industry, people have a hard time getting their heads around how it works. Well, again, so, for some people, it is a very adequate search engine. Quick, tell me who won the Stanley Cup in 1953. Not a search engine. It doesn't have a fact in there. But chat, no, but, chat, but given that that is a, a accepted fact that has been written a hundred gajillion times, it's going to be pulled up. 
Right, but it's not it's not pulled up though. We have it's it's using predictive tech to write the next most probable word. So yes, that will probably show up right. But most of the hundred percent guarantee whoever won the Stanley Cup in '53 is going to come up using ChatGPT. Hundred percent guarantee it because people haven't written the wrong answer. There's no reason right. to. But my point being is that so some things are, it's useful for, some things it's not useful for. No, it's never useful as a search engine because you know who won in '53. No, I don't. That's why I'm it, asking. Okay. I don't know one in 53, so I would never use it for something I don't know because it can just make stuff up like the Guardian articles that don't exist, like even in the 60s Minutes interview, they found a whole bunch of things that it wrote that didn't exist. So it's not a search engine. Well, if you that want to was use something it, I that wanted to get to, actually. You were talking yeah. about the 60 Minutes it, uh, interview earlier, yeah. and I, I didn't have a yeah. chance to, to view it yet, but I've heard that people had funky feelings about it. <laughs> they they did. They they. They, uh, the people in AI research were a little, you know, miffed, and they were correct that, you know, the CEO of Google was making it sound like, we don't know how this works, and it just does this. And then they talked about it created a language, but the language actually it did train on. It didn't actually create the language. So it was Bengali, I believe, was the language. And it's like 0.0026% of the training, because the training information is public. And... So it did train on that language. So it can write in that language because it trained in that language, even though it's a very small percentage of what it trained on. The thing about the LLMs is they can't train, they can't do something that they haven't trained on. So if I wrote an article about something completely new today, it was a breakthrough story, we've never heard of this thing before, uh, ChatGPT wouldn't be able to write on it. Even if it was connected to the internet, it would have enough information to create a plausible, probable, sentence, structure, paragraph, that kind of thing. So it has to have enough information to tell it that this is probably what people are trying to get out of the prompt. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. So the chemical composition of soils. Um, apparently, ChatGPT has solved a number of agricultural riddles. Um, there are, again, hundreds of billions of applications. Um, and I do think it's a great information retrieval device under the right circumstances and if used the right way. But again, I, I, I absolutely take your point on new facts. It's not going to be there. It's a great um, assistant device. So if I have a bunch of articles that I wanted to summarize them for me, awesome. If I am a coder and I know how to code and I want it to help me diagnose an issue, great. That's perfect. If I'm just going, what is blah, 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 I don't know because I'm searching for it. Don't use ChatGPT for that. Use search engines. That's what they're for. By the way, um, anyone in the SEO field who's trying to use ChatGPT to um, diagnose headless, headless issues, you're probably okay for at least five more years. <laughs> <laughs> like, or at least I should say, I'm sorry, the technical SEO, that, that you're probably okay for at least five more years because uh, even ChatGPT doesn't get headless. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone get headless? <laughs> you know, but increasingly, y y y yes. yes. Headless is, um, I'm actually, the more and more and more I work in the environment, the more uh, enamored I am with it, as much as I hate and it frustrates the hell out of me. It is so lightweight, it's incredible. <laughs> um, it, it is. Just keep a record of the pages being created because then you might find out you don't know what's on your site. Well, and make sure that uh, that, uh, that that Google Bing et al can actually see the pages yes. as they're created. Yes, um, but for anyone, but that's really important. I'm just gonna throw this in real quick. Anytime you're launching a site that comes, let's just use JavaScript frameworks as the basis because everyone might not know what we're talking about, but um, also tell us. But um, make sure you do like a screaming frog or site bulb. A screenshot of your site so you know it can be seen by this by the crawlers because yeah. you, you can open it in a browser and it looks fine and then you open do the the images and you go through and you find out sections of the site just cannot be seen by the, the crawler and i find that probably um, one out of every eight to ten sites i audit have whole sections of the site that are not visible if they use those frameworks mm -hmm. well yeah. it's, a, it's a relatively new technology and yeah. um Again, as I was explaining to somebody the other day, in, in the headless environment, none of this stuff that you're looking at actually exists. It's just being pulled into one big, you know, container yeah. dump. And uh, that gets very confusing. I so, felt bad. Uh, I had a dev once when I first worked on one of these sites and didn't understand that. And I'm like, 
well, where's the page? There's no page. What do you mean there's no page? I need to know the pages. There's no page. We have no record of the pages. It just creates it. And I'm like, okay, great. I kind of need to know where the, the uh, people left the bad stuff on the site. But uh, so anytime you're using one of these environments, every time a page is created, you should create a record of it. Your dev should create a record of the URLs created so you know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I really wanted to jump to the Google helpful story and I got no way to segue that. Um, uh, actually, we can, if we, if, if we, yeah, well, we could backtrack to the A stuff because I'm noticing a lot that's written into the helpful content materials is um, kind of not AI specific, but it would maybe not do so well with AI content over time. Well, but the AI story, the story is really about the addition of page experience. Well, okay. Again, there was some major, yeah. major changes that happened at, at, at um, Google uh, Search Console. Um, and that prompted, I guess, some updates to um, Google Dev uh, Web Dev Docs. I'm sorry, Google Dev Docs. Um, changes, well, at, changes at Search Console first. Um, and this might bug some people, but... Um, bugs me. I'm, I'm bugged. <laughs> page experience report. Mobile usability report and uh, mobile friendly tests are going to be depreciated in the coming months. They're going to be um, well, gone. Uh, the the HTTP report. Staying. Oh, is that staying? I thought that was going to gone. Oh, that's going to stay. Oh my goodness, that's actually going to stay. Huh. So for people who people can't visualize right now, the search console. We're talking about the report where you see the number of good pages in your mobile and desktop on the graphs. And then you can click into it and see what the problems are. That's all going away. Like one of the most useful reports I actually have for technical is going away. But they're leaving HTTP HTTPS status. Now I think they're, <laughs> that they that Google thinks that they can roll all of this stuff into Core Web Vitals, um, page experience and Core Web Vitals. Um, in Google's eyes, are you know they're in the same they're in the same tab area. They're synonymous with each other. Um, but I think page experience offers a lot of information at a glance, especially if you start seeing a trend where your your quote unquote good pages are, you know, declining, even if by a couple percentage points. Um, well, once that couple percentage points happens, you got a, you got a problem that's that's brewing. I can always correlate in that graph a that decline based on core vital issues because it corresponds to the decline in the site almost exactly within a day or two. It's a really important, and it's also really important with clients. I can just show a client and go see, you guys, you know, you don't, you have 15,000 pages that are not, you know, meeting vitals right now. You only have 99% good on the ones that are, people are visiting. I explain the whole graph to them and they can see it and they can understand it. So the idea that they're just going to get rid of that is just unfortunate because it's the one with the most information. So uh, it's, it's not, I'm not happy about it. So I, I tweeted already Danny <laughs> today, Danny Sullivan, to ask him why they're getting rid of it. What I can answer on that. Uh, and mobile, use, and mobile, mobile usability is helpful too, because sometimes pages fall out of mobile usability and you just go to the graph and easily show everybody, but you won't be able to do that anymore either. Yep. Um... And again, the, uh, the, 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 the space underneath, um, why pages aren't usable. Um, yeah. Very, very useful for, um, for diagnosing and uh, quite often more useful for going to your client and saying, I told you so. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm not saying HTTP, HTTPS is completely worthless because there's always problems with that on some sites, but this report in Search Console doesn't tell you very much. Like I can run a crawler, type bulb or screaming frog, and they will tell me X number of pages have links to HTTP pages. That's important because Google doesn't like, or none of the browsers like to learn mixed content pages. But that's not what Search Console does. So out of all the reports that are there in that section under experience, that's like the least helpful or necessary, but it's staying. Oh. Um, so just for, for SEOs moving, looking forward, you're probably want to get going to be, uh, getting a professional, um, uh, 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 license at, uh, screaming frog, screaming frog or site bulb, um, or both because Google 
what Google giveth, Google taketh away in a bigger in a bigger <laughs> way often. And this is a this is a fairly large takeaway. And um, it's data that you need to replace somehow. Um, the only one good thing I can say about it not being there is developers should never be developing towards the page experience numbers because that's based on 75% of your visits and their connection speed, blah, blah, blah. So that can change at any time. But it still was super helpful, especially with site owners or CEOs to like just show them real quick where we need to put some resources. So that'll be gone. Okay, so that's going to be gone. But Google did bring out a uh, guide to helpful content. So if you've been wondering what helpful means, there is now a uh, developers, uh, developers.google.com page that tells you the fundamentals of creating helpful content. And it added a page experience section too. So, <laughs> which I think is hilarious since they're taking away the page experience report. And the things they list underneath here in the page experience uh, for the documentation is the things that are in the page experience report. So two sides of Google are not communicating at the same time. Well, the, the, the right side of the left side of the office aren't necessarily helping each other all the time at, at, at Google to <laughs> see. Um, so Google's um, definitely worth reading through what helpful, reliable, people-first content means to Google. Um, uh, uh, number one, Google, Google talks about itself as a search engine that's there to answer questions. And so how does it want you to evaluate your content? By asking a bunch of questions, naturally. Um, so it lists 15, I think, 10, 15, 12, a whole mess of different questions. Uh, does the content provide original information, reporting research and or analysis? Does the content have any spelling or stylistic issues? Um, have you... Uh, 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 do you have a good title heading? Are you are you providing the the right information to Google to um, uh, 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 help it figure out what the content's about? Whole bunch of different questions. Um, Can I put in my my theory here? <laughs> addressing content quality and expertise, and also what the page experience is like. Um, do you, do you find this stuff useful? Uh, I've been in SEO a long time, so most of that is just about writing good content. I've been advising people to do that for probably a decade, um, but it is useful for people who are new to the industry or when you have to show a client how to do it so you don't have to write up a whole document. I do really appreciate Google documentation for those that started in the industry when we did. There was no Google documentation whatsoever. You just had to like throw it up in the air and hope someone knew the answer. Um, sometimes Google would answer because they used to come to conferences and tell us stuff. Uh, not just do keynotes. I mean, like we actually could sit around and talk to them. But uh, so, yeah, I do think it's helpful for regular people. I, I do think though, uh, I do find it interesting. This is just my thought, my feeling. We have Panda, right? And Panda's like thin content, low quality content, things that would never meet these marks. But we've added helpful content. And if you read through helpful content, I am not saying Google is doing AI detection. I want to do a disclaimer. But a lot of AI content does not meet these goals. And so I just want to tell, you know, like to caution people, if you're just like writing AI content and quickly modifying a few sentences and throwing it up, read these guidelines, because a lot of these guidelines kind of eliminate uh, straight AI content. And now when it first goes up, it may do fine. It's a helpful content update would roll out is what would hit you. So Google may not even assess it until then. And Jim, you may completely disagree with me, but I also it noticed like avoid creating search engine first content at the bottom of the page. Like one of the things it says is, are you using extensive automation to produce content on many topics? Now it doesn't have to be AI that does that. There have been spinners have been around since the nineties, right? If you don't know what a spinner is, it was a way to like generate content in a very primitive form of like AI does now. But it's like, there are things in here that just, can't be done by AI. Like you're making sure you have something unique and you know that's not everybody else's writing. And um, are you using automation? Are you mainly summarizing what others have said without adding much value? That's what AI content basically does. It synthesizes the most likely answers on the web or on the, the books or on whatever it's trained on. So I, I, I just feel like some of this is 
Well, okay. First off, if you if you put if you're if you're putting up synthesized or reproduced content, you're going to get burned because other yeah. people have put up that exact same content. If um, you are using ChatGPT to write your content, that's um, probably quite efficient. I mean, you probably you can crank out tons and tons of content really quickly, but um, and it might even be good content but you can never guarantee that it's the only version of that content. In fact, it's very probably not. So if you're using chat GPT and, and this is really hard, but when you, when you think of using it at scale, um, you've got to edit it. And now if you introduce a whole bunch of topical, intelligent, useful, and relatively correct content, you might even get a massive bump at Google. You probably will, but you got to remember your competitors are going to do exactly the same thing. And if they haven't done it today, they're going to, they're going to follow your lead the moment they seen you've done it. And all of that work, all of that effort, and however much it costs you in chat GPT money points has um, suddenly, I mean, you've gone from being um, king of the field to being on a level playing field again. So be careful before you go down that path, because it could be quicksand for a bunch of different reasons. Nevertheless, you can, I, I do believe you can create reams of content, but you got to take responsibility for it before you put it up on the web. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not saying you can't, my big thing about ChatGPT is it should be an assistive device. You know, you're writing and you're like stuck. Like one time, you know, you had to write about plastic bags. I could see me not being as good of a writer as you are because you're amazing. Uh, so like put that in ChatGPT to get an idea of what the heck I would write about plastic bags, right? But then I'd write my own. I wouldn't use what they wrote. I, I think the caution here is if you read the helpful content guidelines, which all came out right after John said last year on Twitter that you have to not just have good quality content, not just good tech, not just good um, callability and all that, but you have to be useful, right? useful then helpful content came out and this is all basically around the idea of useful content and and so useful doesn't mean you write the same thing as everybody else just a little bit differently right except if you're a medical site because they all have the same answers but well i was gonna say like, yeah if we're talking about, about yeah, the size of a heart yeah. attack make sure yeah <laughs> yeah you don't have to get creative with that but but my point is just i'm not saying that they're using ai detection but i do believe that these helpful content update and uh guidelines kind of exclude over time directly written AI content or mildly edited AI content, especially when you get into the expertise questions and um, not using automation, making things useful. Making useful means you add something to it that others don't. And since ChatGPT is predictive text model, it's getting the most probable words and sentences that everybody else used already. So you're not adding usefulness or you're not adding expertise or you're not adding authority or you're not adding insight. You're just what everybody else has already said. And at some point, because this can, because we're in the early stages, but think of a year from now, there may be a trillion new documents online because people are using chat GPT. Oh, for God's sake, it's a trillion. Yeah. I think you're underestimating. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, no, there's, no, there's right. going to be a dulge of, right. um, of auto-generated content. And um, it's going to be a massive problem for search engines, for um, data servers. Um, it's going to be uh, 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 it's going to be a garbage patch revolving mm -hmm. in the middle of the ocean of the internet. Um, life forms will 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 live on it. It'll be so big. <laughs> you read the same story I did about in, the garbage indeed. <laughs> um, but but it's going to happen, and so. I suspect Google, Yahoo, even Microsoft at all are um, preparing for, for, for this. And content creators, people who rely on lots and lots of content, again, <laughs> use the tools at your disposal. But remember, everyone is going to be doing this. Remember how those tools work, how they gather and use information. Um, and again, I, I maintain sometimes it's amazing how that happens and sometimes it's not as useful um and the output remember that the output is very very likely to be so similar as to be uh un, undiscernible from I'm the original to. in certain cases you're going to yeah. get burned for dupe content left right and center i think i think also people should pay really strict close attention 
to the guidelines of the helpful content because that came out last year, right after Jasper and some of the AI writing programs started. So I really do think that part of the component of this, like this is just my opinion, uh, is going to be to try to eliminate without detecting AI content. It'll eliminate other styles of content too. It won't just be that. But I do think this is a first algorithm because it's machine learning to try to handle the problem of AI content. I'm sure they first saw that coming even without the announcement of ChatGPT in November because that was already in development and Google knew that. Well, so you know my, I would I just take it serious, take these guidelines very seriously when you're doing when you especially when you're using Chat GPT to create content. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Don't 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 screw with Google's perception of you and 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 your honesty and veracity. Don't do it. Um, really, don't yeah. do it. And also, the helpful content update can hit your entire site. So that, that is that's guess. actually true. That's it's a site wide yeah. thing. And Google's increasingly doing site wide and averages. So yeah, be 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 be. Be well aware of that. Um, speaking of uh, the dangers of AI content, you know, you know how I'm, I know how I'm saying like, like, like you're not putting the genie back in the bottle over and over and over again, which is yeah. I know is a terrible thing to hear, but probably true. Here's it's some true. proof. Buzzfeed, Buzzfed, Buzz dead. Buzz Buzzfeed dead, is yeah. dead now, eh? Um, they they, yeah, they died I'm earlier dead. today, but in their death, in their death notice. The ownership of BuzzFeed. I want listeners to let take a step back for I got a little bit outraged. Let me take a step back for a second. I want listeners to remember that BuzzFeed got burned. Uh, what eight eight months ago, ten months ago, when it first started introducing um, AI content to its news feeds and laying off its writers. Well, as it turned out, people didn't like didn't like what they were reading. It kind of sucked. And um, AI's readership and advertising money went, advertising revenues went way down the tubes. Now, flash ahead to, to now, um, they just closed their news division, but they're doubling down on AI content. Yeah. I'm telling you, Christine, people just, they don't want to learn. Well, yeah. For, first, we should say that uh, uh, Peretti, I believe how you say his name, the owner of uh, BuzzFeed, mm -hmm. um, did admit to a whole lot of mistakes that he made. It seems to me he should be the one going, not the news division. But anyway, but the, the, the news division is different than BuzzFeed. So let's clarify. The news division is award-winning. They've had a lot of breaking stories, a lot of great investigative journalism. Mm -hmm. But yes, he doubled down on, well, we'll do a lot more with AI content. And it's like, but people don't like your AI content. Guys, what is AI content? Pretty mediocre. It's not investigative journalism. You know, they're not going into a dark alley somewhere getting a tip you know from someone wants to be off the record not yet anyway well buzzfeed was known and made its millions on lists and listicles originally well that was yeah that but buzzfeed news is separate from that buzzfeed isn't going away just buzzfeed news buzzfeed news the people some of the people will be absorbed into huffington post which is, by the way is a kind of ironic story since huffington post back in the day um i won't say the friend that we know that worked there because i don't know if they want it to be public but they were the head of uh, HuffPo, a lot of their online digital, and I believe it was Verizon took over and decided mm -hmm. they didn't need didn't need SEO. So, so this is kind of a round, like round robin, because Huffington Post at the time was one of the top five sites on the internet. Yep. Business wise, yeah, yeah. So, but it is sad, and it is sad that that there is a there is an AI component to the job loss here, and this was a good, and you know, it was a good free which is very hard to these days, news source for people to get information. They did break quite a few stories in the last few years. Um, you know, even big organizations use them for, for that. And uh, so it, it is sad to see them, see them go. It really is. I, th I think it's a shame and it's a loss to the, to the news, free news environment. We have so free, few, so few free sources anymore. Yeah. So. Okay, if you're looking through your logs, you're looking through uh, uh, your, your crawl stats and you come across um, Google Other and you wonder, what the hell is that? Well, it's a new crawler that Google has introduced um, to, I guess, basically take weight off of Googlebot. Um, Google Other is has been described as a generic crawler used for um, various product teams for fetching publicly available content from sites. AI. Um, 
Yeah, that's what I asked. I haven't gotten a response from John or Jerry yet, but I have a feeling this is them getting the resource load off for training AI because the resource load for training AI is so heavy. Okay, apparently Google Other um, will obey robot text rules. <laughs> I don't like. Nevertheless, if you want to cancel it out, cancel it on page, not on the robot text. Don't, 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 don't no matter what. Um, and it's <laughs> um, sitting in the same IP ranges as Googlebot. So um, Google Other is out there. Um, yeah. Oh, and breaking news. Mm -hmm. I just got a response from Gary. <laughs> and? Yeah. Uh, will it be used to train AI was my question. I mean, it could be. It's just a general purpose crawler, so. Very good. Okay, whatever that means, but very good. Exactly. I think I think that to train AI is just so massively resource intensive to combine that in with the regular bot would make their crawls incredibly difficult and slow. Well, it'll be interesting to see what shows up um, in uh, uh, if if anything shows up in your crawl files at uh, Search Console. Um, I, I I still look at. Uh, at, at crawl activity. Um, I, I do hope that they note when uh, when a new agent is um, is 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 coming to call. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, I had a neat I, I, I know it's a really neat thing in the, my own end. It's kind of like a break thing, but I, I think this is a, a success. I'm really pleased about this. I have this really, really big e-com site, and I just noticed this today. We we helped it come back from a from a, a bad migration, and uh, the index page is the uh, only the third most popular page after two prominent product pages. I'm pleased. Yeah, I can see that on an e-commerce site. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, big, that's, that's that that speaks to success. That's great. So, so I got a question. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I got a question for you. Yeah. Um. This is one I think that we got to answer moving into the future. Um. Because agreed, AI is not a search engine. Um. But will be incorporated into search in many many ways moving forward. So here's a question. Given that that our are that we live on references on metaphor, um, literary references, artistic references, meme references, comic book references, whatever, right? Movie references. We 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 reference our entertainment material to teach ourselves stuff. Should AI be given special privileges to look at copyrighted material? Should AI be able to produce a quote from um, a, uh, a a Harry Potter book? Um, or is it more useful to keep AI sequestered from copyright materials? There's a, a, a debate that's happening um, where a number of publishers are kind of ticked at um, Google et al. for um, having uh, ChatGBT, Bard, Dolly, um, etc. Um, Dolly training on uh, 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 Getty images. Um, ChatGPT and Bard training on the like everything that Penguin wants copyrighted. Um, is that a, is that a problem or should they have have those privileges? What do you think? I think that uh, they should be subject to the same thing that you and I are, which means no, they can't without permission oh. or compensation. I'm totally allowed to quote from anything under copyright provided I, I source back to it. I'm not allowed right. to republish it, but I can quote from it. Absolutely. You can I can quote from it. Exactly, but LLM models can't do that because they don't, they're creating predictive generative text, so they don't have a citation. Okay, I think, I think that's just a matter of time. Um, block of text, where have you seen this before? Well, it's the only place it gets reproduced a gajillion times uh, over is Shakespeare. Um, I, 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 heard, uh, I, I think heard, that's uh, going to be pretty simple to reference in the future. It's not. Honestly. It's not. I, did, I just, uh, I just on the interview in 60 Minutes, asked um, the CEO about that of Google, and it's a very difficult problem. It's also, the hallucinations are a very difficult problem because it's training on trillions of documents. It doesn't have a data source repository to go back on document 5022 on line three in this document this came from. It doesn't. It's just training so that it can produce text. 
So right now it doesn't have any way to do that. And they're having a difficult time solving that issue and the hallucination problem, the making it up problem. See, I, so, but let's, let's just say for right now though, cause we don't know what's going to happen in the future. I say for right now, the fact that they went out on the web and they went into these sources that had pirated, pirated content, which is the story we're talking about. Um, and then they just trained on it and then recreated and eliminated, as we know, people's jobs like at BuzzFeed, right? Um, with no compensation and no restriction, no. it's not okay. I couldn't do that. I can, in academics, now I'm not talking about copyright law, but in academics, if I go to a paper and I just rewrite it all in my words, but I don't cite where I got the idea from, well, you're that can get me, yeah, get As it from university, right? As so it the idea, absolutely. Well, I think because it's AI, we're like, oh, well, it's, it's not human, so it's okay. I'm not it's saying, not, I'm, but, but AI, isn't, you, AI isn't producing my essay. I just want AI to understand why both Holden Caulfield and Jan Brady feel angst. I think it's important <laughs> that they understand that. Right, but probably their ability to understand that is other people writing about it because they can't create out of things well, they of, haven't trained Well, about. of course it's other people writing about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what so, they train on, So, and that, and which is exactly why I think they need to have access to all, to, to all material. Not without compensation, I disagree. Getty Images is in court with them right now, so is... Which is um, wildly interesting case. Um, oh, this, that, is, this is uh, about the yeah. image um, uh, AIs, uh, Dali, which a number of listeners will have played with. Um, they trained on on all the stuff that you find. In, say, you go to Google Images and you say picture of dog. Half the images that come up are going to be copyrighted. They're from Getty Images. They're from a repository that if you put on your website, you're going to get a really, really, really nasty letter from a lawyer who works for Getty Images. And they're going to collect yeah. from you. And Getty's very litigious. By the way, the, the, this also came out this week because um, Universal Music Group came out with a statement. I think it was Universal Music. It How was. Um, yeah. Because you of the, why, that, that song that, that was that sort of uh, wrapped off of uh, Drake, Drake and The Weeknd. Drake rapping an Ice Spice track, which Drake, uh, to which Drake posted on Instagram. This is the final straw AI. So even though music groups are yeah, even though music groups are not good at protecting musicians' rights, so let's not think they're the good guys here, but they're protecting their money stream, which does trickle down to artists, and I do mean trickle down. To oh artists. yeah, but the moment Universal can replace their artists with AI, they will. Absolutely. Well, but yeah, that's, that's a different. That's a different I can see Drake aspect. being kind of ticked about that. Yeah, because I'm an artist and I created something and now someone's going, well, an AI, I can just recreate you, your voice, your music, your, because AI trained on your music, so now I can recreate something similar to your music. And so you get no compensation for any of that. And that's just not fair, in my opinion. But how many times have you heard the opening to um, Queens Under Pressure, that incredible, beautiful descending bass line, only to hear Ice Ice Baby lay across the top there of was, it a few seconds later? There was a lawsuit about that. And 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 this is what I'm getting at. This, there is a yeah. way to there is a way to remedy um, acts of theft, and I don't see AI as any different than any other player in the market, except for scale, of course. Well, um, and that they're not held accountable. There is no accountability right now. It's all in court. We don't know where the law is going. Well, and, and and here's the thing: they will be held accountable. It is in court. <laughs> um, yeah. And. That's that's the place where I think these questions need to be answered, but I do believe that there's a compelling argument, uh, a, a strong argument that um, AI models do need access to the entire corpus of information we can all learn from. Um, just as I can pull that quote from uh, 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 the Brady, but I can pull any quote from any book. Um, you can, at almost but don't any, you have yeah. to buy it first unless they offered it for free online? Um, well, I, you know yeah, what, we it. will do what we will do a test uh, between now and next week. And I'll get back to you on that. But I bet you I can yeah. pull any quote from but, even the most contemporary book. Well, sure, um, but it has from, to be offered from a somewhere search engine. free. But it has to be offered somewhere free. Yep. I'm yeah. sure this is the web. <laughs> Google, Google has made but, a whole bunch of information free, whether it's legal or not for them to do it. Well, yeah, it's a little different because the free exchange with Google is you get traffic to your site to make money. So, well, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, look at what happened to the Internet Archive in their library. It's been shut down. Although, indeed, the Internet Archive was um, publishing everything they could get their hands on, regardless of copyright. 
they were publishing but, whole versions. But so AI they they were trying to act they were trying to act as a lending library online. Yeah. Um, that's a little bit different, um, and that's um, that's a, that that I haven't read the the judgment on that, but I think it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, and so people know their motives were not and we're not nefarious. They were trying to offer books in places where people can't afford them or can't access them. Google so it books. Wasn't like, like Google books tried to do the same thing, although. Google Books would have thrown ads around the content. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. The they, archive.org wasn't doing that. No, they really had a good intent behind what they were trying to do. So, but I'm um, just saying, but we don't hold AI to the same standards. There's no restriction to AI. Well, like, just crawl whatever you want, and we can reproduce some similar version of it. And and I do don't think that's okay, especially for artists. And well, as in the case with many human yeah. endeavors, there was no restriction on it until the humans knew they needed a restriction on it. Um, it just seems that a bunch of people went out and did something and of then course. told everyone they went out and did it. Ask forgiveness, not permission, right? That's what Uber did. That's how they got it. They would come into cities and set up shop without, yeah. before the regulations came up. And then the cities are like, we want you out. And people got used to using it by the time that went through court. So then the cities had to make deals with Uber to stay. Kind of the same idea. The only difference is though, so, so AI has two big Achilles heel. Think of yeah, any technology, by the way, that hadn't do, hasn't done that in the past. From railroads, from, seriously, from but railroads. The, the, there's two onwards. big. There's two. No, there's a lot that didn't just set up shop without regulation. That didn't happen. But but there's but the thing is with the AI, there's two big Achilles heels. It has to be able to train on trillions of documents and sources, and power. How much power it takes to run it. But in this case, they picked the two big biggest litigious industries. In the United States to train on uh, imagery and Getty, and especially music publishing and video videos next because there's video GPT coming so that trained on video and a lot of that's going to be copyrighted material and that's going to be obvious the images in the video ones are more obvious because it's hard to detect like if a phrase came from somewhere but a lot of times the logos still exist in the AI version of something so it's like Getty knows it was Getty because Getty's logo appeared in the images so, um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in court because those are the two biggest litigious industries in the country. And uh, they, have, they might go after the people who use it as, like they usually do as opposed to the actual companies because it's harder. You know, you get those DMC, that's a DMCA request. What is it with the music? Uh, it, it's, it's um, I believe it's DMCA, Protected yeah. Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, yeah, so they put a little code in the music and they can detect whether it's been downloaded or not illegally, and then you can get in trouble for that, and yeah. If you publish images on your website without permission, moving forward, even if you generate them yourself through um, an AI, um, well, you know, uh, understand this. If anyone's, if anyone else out there is using AI, it's the people who want to sue you. <laughs> they yeah, will find you. <laughs> Getty will always find you. I remember like someone got a notice from like five years earlier when someone used one image on a website and they found it and they got a notice for $1,500 that they wanted. So, and then, and Getty is very, very litigious they're not asking you for like fifty dollars or ten dollars it cost when you purchased would have purchased it they're like we want like ten thousand dollars for each instance that you use this image so they're, they're pretty bad oh and by the way every but time every time that web that uh image appears on somebody's browser is a time you used it exactly exactly oh uh, by the way and people should be aware it's still um the law in the united states that anything created um solely or almost solely with AI cannot be copyrighted. So if you're using like ChatGPT to create all your content and you're not severely editing it, like rewriting the whole thing, um, it can be taken off your site and they can use it and there's no way you can make a copyright claim. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've written a whole bunch of stuff that was copyrighted and had people lift it. And let me tell yeah, you, I ain't exactly. can't go after them either because it just costs too much for too little game. <laughs> exactly. Um, but every writer gets that. So, uh, which is why, which is why I can tell you, I can reproduce any any um, paragraph <laughs> ever written out there. Because hell, I'm, sure I'm a writer can. of zero repute, and it's been done to me. <laughs> my my only thing is, it has to be free or open, uh, offered for free, or you have to pay for it. Uh, do we have time to get to the the quick two Twitter stories? Yeah, I think we do. We have we have about three minutes. Okay, so uh, 
So you, you, it's near and dear to your heart. So I'll let you lead on the government-funded media. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, West in almost every Western democracy, the United States included, um, there is publicly funded media. Um, in the U.S., there's uh, less funded than should be, but both NPR and uh, PBS. In Canada, there's the Canadian Broadcasting System. In the U.K., there's the BBC. Um, uh, uh, there's like uh, the Australian Broadcasting System. There's yeah. uh, Air New Zealand, etc. These publicly funded broadcasters are generally free of government control, but they receive monies from the government so that they don't have to rely on advertising. Because, um, well, our experience with news coverage that does rely on advertising, they tend to favor the advertisers. So if you have um, a news gathering source that doesn't have to worry about advertising, you'll likely have a cleaner and more professional news gathering source, provided it has a massive wall between it and its funder, the, the public purse. And that's an accepted reality in Canada. The CBC is not run by the government. It is funded by the, by, by, by the government, most certainly. But it is not run by the government, as witnessed by the number of government scandals the CBC constantly uncovers and reports on, including innumerable Trudeau scandals. Yes. Honestly, no, uh, the true. CBC yeah. has twice in his 10-year prime ministership almost brought Justin Trudeau down because of catching him with his finger in some cookie jar or another, like most politicians. So, okay, so this is an important point. Publicly funded does not mean manipulated by the government. Right, in, that's in, like China and Russia. Well, okay, so in places like China and Russia and, and many authoritarian states, you do have direct manipulation by the funder. Um, but then again, in many instances of corporate media, you also have direct manipulation by the funder, Fox News. Um, this happens, mypillow.com. This happens. We know this. And we know um, it actually from their texts and, and their, inner, their emails. So people know that's not just you saying that. They actually. Oh, no, this came out in court. Yeah. Oh, well, it almost yeah, it came, came out, out in court. Yeah, it came out in pre-court. Discovery <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> document, so. And, so, and to clarify, and yes, just I'm sorry, just real quick, so people do know, uh, NPR takes 1% federal funding from grants that it competes for, and uh, local uh, NPR and PBS take 5% or less. So it's a very, very minor amount. So in uh, his um, continuing public disinformation campaign, um, Elon Musk, oh, well, Elon, uh, the, the, the Twitter has branded a number of publicly funded Western media outlets, CBC, BBC, uh, Air New Zealand, uh, Australian Broadcasting Corporation, etc., as um, government-owned or government-operated, government-funded, thus implying that they were manipulated by the government. Um, many of those broadcasters have now left Twitter because uh, that's really uncool and you're trying to, the platform itself is trying to discredit the news gathering corporation that uses the platform. Right, because RT and China are the original reason for that label, and they are direct arms of the government. There's no separation at all. So by the way, if you're, if you're a corporation, be aware, Twitter will mess with you if they don't like what you're doing. So the CBC foolishly replies to Twitter, we receive less than 70% of our funding from the government. They shouldn't have given Twitter the time of day. They should not don't acknowledge a bully's a bully's um, bogus ranting. Right. You just don't do that. And so Elon Musk uh, changed the, the the notation to sixty nine percent government funded. <laughs> <laughs> Serious grade seven edgelord stuff there. Um, so That's this good. is the saga of. I mean, it's sad because Twitter was such. Twitter remains a. Um, you really uh, useful utility platform that has been um, abused into uselessness by somebody who just doesn't um, understand what made the golden spoon that was shoved up his ass when he was born. <laughs> doesn't get the society that made his family rich. Yeah. 
and he and, wants and, to trash yeah. it. And I just don't understand that. It makes no sense to me. Well, I think the goal is to kill it. That's why. I, that's the only thing that makes sense. But if we have one more second, we can say that uh, Microsoft has decided not to put up with Twitter and has uh, dropped Twitter from its ad platform. So you can no longer use, there's no Twitter support and you can't like post to Twitter using the ad platform because they started charging for the API anywhere from 42,000 to 210,000 a month to get access to it. So Microsoft said, no, thank you, we're gone. Of course, it's the same company that refuses to pay its bills. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, there you go. I'm I'm I, I I'm so furious with Twitter about what they did to the to to public too. broadcasters. Um, because yeah. yeah. this is the stuff that keep actually keeps democracy alive, and it's important. It's very important, and people, um, you know, need to be able to trust things like the public broadcasters because, as you said, they're not beholden to anybody except themselves and their own editorial departments. So. Uh, they're not to to advertisers or to governments, and so their news is one of the most trusted, which is probably why he did that. Yeah, that's why BBC yeah. is um, one of the most credible sources in the world. Um, same with CBC; it's an extraordinarily credible source. But anyway, uh, that's it's blah, makes me infuriates me. And we've gone full clock; we've gone all the way around to the end of the hour. Um, so on behalf of myself, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, um, I'd like to, to thank, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, on behalf of Christine Schockinger from <laughs> Edge Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. want to thank WMR.FM and I want to thank Ricky in the booth today. He, uh, he's working well sick, so big love to our, big love to our engineering team. Um, friends, be well, be safe, rank well. Um, Keep your wits about you online, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.